You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. So uh, happy Monday to everybody. But uh, my critics could be a little bit different this week. It's not only happy Monday, happy week one. That's right. It's not opening day yet, but we'll be on Thursday. Uh, it's time to get those uh, week one lineups into shape if you have a roster, because I know some of you still have drafts coming up. I've got a draft coming up. Uh, I thought my... Head-to-head points draft last night was the last one, and I got one last uh, invitation for a league that I could not refuse <laughs> yesterday, uh, so I got one more to squeeze in before opening day, uh, but it's it's right around the corner, so uh, even if you're not done with your drafts, I think there's probably a good chance that you've got some rosters to manage, so a little bit later on the show, I am going to take a uh, quick sneak peek at week one. It's going to be a little incomplete because... Uh, while we do know the schedule, and I'll, I'll talk about the schedule, uh, that, that in, unto, its, uh, unto itself is important. We don't know all the rotations yet. Uh, all the uh, playing time battles haven't uh, you know, quite been settled yet. But uh, at least you know, it's our preliminary preview of week one. Also, uh, I'm going to have uh, a frequent visitor to the show come back, and that's Greg Jewett from Fantasy Alarm and Rotographs. Greg is uh, always on top of uh, bullpen situations. He did a great piece. It was actually the uh, the first bullpen report piece for Rotographs for this season, and he took the uh, rankings, the composite rankings of the uh, bullpen report team, which includes myself, and created tiers from them and uh, went walks us through the tiers. So. Uh, that's definitely a piece you need to check out and uh, just stay tuned because we're going to have Greg later on the show. And in addition to talking to him about his drafts and auctions, we'll uh, we'll talk about bullpen tiers. And a lot of news, uh, an unexpected item yesterday, at least unexpected to me, Scott Kingery signing a long-term deal with the Phillies. I'll uh, get to that. Uh, also, Cattell Marte, a whole bunch of Injury updates uh, to get to uh, from news over the weekend. Uh, some of these are more uh, news, uh, I guess, or uh, timely, maybe uh, the, the word I'm looking for there, than others. But since I've been on the air with you all uh, since Friday, we got a bunch of things to catch up on. So let's do that. Uh, let's start with a couple of signings. Phillies uh, signing Scott Kingery for six years. Uh, uh, for a total of $24 million plus three team options for after the expiration of that six-year part of the deal. That's pretty incredible. And the way that this came out on Twitter was kind of curious because there were multiple reports coming out rapid fire, one after another, that Scott Kingery made the Phillies opening day lineup. And, of course, that caught a lot of us off guard figuring Kingry was going to be part of the legions of uh, top prospects who were going to get sent down. In most cases, that was for uh, service time considerations. But in Kingry's case, you know, I think there, there was an argument to send him down, given that he had just played really a portion of a season at AAA, uh, the numbers there were, and again, as you would expect, because as I've mentioned many times on the show, Double A Reading is just an incredible hitters park. So you're going to expect some decline uh, going from Double uh, A AA to Triple A in the Philly system, plus just you know the adjustment to the higher level. But um, so there's an argument maybe to see uh, how Kingery does over a longer period of time at Triple A, and, and, and you know I'm sort of bearing the lead here because the bigger issue is where is he going to play? You got Cesar Hernandez at second. There had been some trade rumors, but he's still there. Michael Franco's still there at, at third base. Phillies have not given up on him. And then you got an already crowded outfield situation. So that's going to be uh, interesting. So uh, that news, initial news came out that he made the opening day roster before there was any announcement of a contract. 
and then the news of the contract came out and and that helped make the initial news make a little bit more sense because while the roster crunch thing is still a bit of a mystery i think to all of us uh clearly then there's no worries about service time given that they had uh lock Kingery up for uh six years and, and possibly three more so uh at least that takes that that part of the mystery uh out of the equation but it's it's an exciting piece of news. Um, I am treating this pretty conservatively. Again, as I mentioned, I had a draft last night. I did have uh, it's a twelve team league, so shallow ish rosters. And I had Kingery lined up in my queue in the reserve rounds, and then somebody got to him. I think about three picks before I came up. Um, and I, I honestly I wasn't that heartbroken because as I was was saying at the outset here, I'm treating Kingery pretty conservatively, figuring that there are questions both about playing time and about performance. And deal with the performance part of it first, again, there was that transition from AA to AAA. Uh, I think it's fair to assume he's going to be, in, be in, the poss- in the realm of possibility for 20 steals, even if he's not playing every day. But whether or not the, the power is going to translate, granted, Citizens Bank Park's a great home run hitting park. So that certainly helps a bit. But, you know, is he going to even have numbers as good as he had at AAA once he gets to the major league level? So there, I have questions about that. And then, of course, the question of where he's going to play. And given that, you know, he's now signed to this long term deal. It's not a particularly, you know, pricey long-term deal. So it's not like a contract that Gabe Kapler is going to have to, you know, justify and and get Scott Kingery in the lineup every day. And it's going to be really, really hard for him to do that. Even if they move him around and have him play second one day, third another day, you know, maybe right field another day. Uh, It's it's going to be very, very hard, I think, to, uh, to get Kingery truly regular playing time, barring some other moves which we can't rule out. So that's going to be interesting to one to watch. But again, I think it's fine to stash them in just about any kind of format, even 10 team, just to see how this plays out. Because if he, you know, what about the best case scenario? What if he does play every day somehow? What if he does replicate his AAA numbers? I'm not even going to talk about the AA numbers. What if he replicates the AAA numbers and gives you moderate power and steady steals at the major league level? Then that's that's somebody you at least want to have you know to stream in and out of your lineup. Worst you know, in the worst case. Um, but you know, it, again, it, it, even in a shallow league, if uh, you know appears after the first few weeks that uh, the playing time is not really forthcoming or he's struggling, you know, you can cut bait. So not a bad upside play if you've got uh, a bench spot to burn there for Scott Kingery, and obviously in anything much deeper than a twelve team league. He's just somebody that, you know, needs to be rostered because he's probably going to be uh, an, an upgrade over uh, over your other late round alternatives. Now, Cattell Marte, he uh, his his role is all uh, decided for the Diamondbacks. He's going to be a, an everyday player. He's going to start at second base, but it'll be of course shortstop eligible. And he was extended on a five year, twenty four million dollar deal, uh, as reported by FanRag Sports. Also includes two option years with $22 million. And so the, the deal as a whole, at the, at the maximum, could be a seven-year, $46 million contract for Cattell Marte. So as you know, I'm a big fan of Marte. Big, big gains last year in terms of plate discipline. Um, not so much of a fly ball reliant hitter that I think that the humidor is going to have a big impact on, um, on his power numbers. So, uh, you know, I think Marte could be really useful for batting average for OBP and sort of a, a, and stolen bases too. Actually, I think, you know, probably right up there with Scott Kingery in terms of potential for 20 plus steals. Uh, probably not as much power as Kingery, but, um, uh, you know, enough to make it worth your while, I would think. So a couple of interesting signings there. Uh, and lots and lots of important Injury updates from the weekend, and none certainly more important than Mass Bumgarner. And again, this is now not really news because this happened back on Friday. 
fracturing his left hand. Uh, but according to the San Jose Mercury News, while he does not have a definitive timetable, he will miss at least a month. And that certainly, to me, does sound conservative. So if you've got Bumgarner or you still have drafts coming up, uh, you, you got to figure that he's you know going to miss good chance that he misses maybe even a quarter of the season, maybe even a little more. So not great news for Mass and Bumgarner or the Mass and Bumgarner fantasy owner. And that's also terrible news for the Giants who are going to be without Jeff Samarja for a while. You've got Ty Block as your opening day starter. Johnny Cueto still in the rotation, at least. Uh, you figure Chris Stratton's going to play a more prominent role, pitch a few more innings. I would think Tyler Beattie. Now, who before was sort of on the fringe, uh, I would think he's probably going to fill a spot in the back end of that uh, Giants rotation. Uh, and Derek Holland will be in that mix as well. Denelson Lamette, he uh, has an elbow injury. He is going to begin the season on the uh, disabled list. Uh, but the good news is that uh, there is no structural damage. And according to the San Diego Union-Tribune, there is some chance that he could be back sometime in May. So maybe we're looking at actually a sort of a similar timetable for Lamette as we are uh, for Bumgarner. But that again is uh, deflating for people that were looking forward to a breakout season from Lamette. And, and maybe you'll get that still, but you're probably getting it now in three quarters or, or five sixths, five sixths of, uh, of a season rather than the whole year for Lamette. Greg Bird also hurt. Um, he uh, has uh, right foot inflammation. That is the diagnosis, according to the Yankees' uh, PR Twitter account. Uh, that's according to both an MRI and a CT scan on Bird's right foot. And he was scheduled today to go see a foot specialist. I have not seen any further update on that as of yet. So we got uh, some other pitcher uh, updates, both in terms of injury news and uh Position battle news, uh, but before we get to all of that, just a quick reminder about Fantasy Factor, which is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. They've got flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single entry contests only. Fantasy Factor always has fun contests going. Right now, there's free entry. They've got a March Madness bracket. bracket. They've got a Sweet 16 bracket. And Fantasy Factor is running a $100,000 home run derby this year. So simply sign up and enter at www.fantasyfactor.com. Now, before I get to these other uh, injury updates, uh, I'm very, very psyched for tomorrow's show uh, because uh, you may recall uh, about a week ago, I had Mike Szlinski, uh here Um uh, to talk about Dynasty League Baseball. Well, I've got another game, a very cool game, that uh, we're going to talk about on tomorrow's show, Out of the Park Baseball. And from Out of the Park Baseball, we're going to have Rich Grisham here on the show. And what's super, super cool about this is that I have a code to Out of the Park Baseball 19, the brand new version of it, to give away. I'm going to give it away on tomorrow's show. So listen closely here, because this is going to involve a trivia question. So um, to if you know the answer to this question, or if you don't, you just want to take a guess at it, send the answer to my Twitter account, at AlMelchiorBB, A-L-M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R-B-B. Send, send it to me at my Twitter account. Send the answer along with the hashtag, hashtag, O-O-T-P, out of the park. O-O-T-P, that hashtag. Got to have that in there. Okay, so I can collect them up nicely and not miss any of them. Please remember the O-O-T-P hashtag with the answer to this question. A few weeks back, I counted down my top 10 sleepers for this season. Who was number one? So either you got to take a good guess, maybe an educated guess, or you've had to have listened to that part of the show you had to listen to those episodes my number one sleeper for the 2018 season send that player's name along with hashtag ootp to at al melchior bb on twitter um i will take all the correct answers and then do a drawing from that and i will announce the winner on tomorrow's show uh and send you the um the code to play 
out of the park baseball and you'll have fun. All right. So with that little piece of business taken care of, uh, let's get back to some of the injury updates from uh, over the weekend. Chris Sale, obviously a big scare there, uh, but he his hip is fine. Had x-rays that turned out negative, and Red Sox manager Alex Cora expects that Sale's going to be still ready for opening day. So great news there. Uh, and, of course, that report, that report from the Boston Globe. So that comebacker, uh, apparently not of any consequence for Chris Sale. Hip is fine. So great news there. Danny Duffy, uh, he experienced some shoulder tightness over the weekend, but he too plans on being ready for opening day, according to MLB.com. And in other uh, uh, aces or near aces <laughs> getting hurt, but not hurt badly, Chris Archer sustained a forearm contusion, but uh, said he played a catch uh, today. This is Monday, if you're listening uh, on demand here. Uh, played catch with no restrictions and says that uh, he is 100% normal, according to the Tampa Bay Times. So good news for Chris Archer, good news for Dan Duffy, good news for Chris Sale. Uh, we can uh, just take a deep breath there. Carson Fulmer has won the fifth starter spot in the White Sox rotation. We'll talk about how rotations are lining up a little bit later in the show. And David Dahl, Austin Hayes, Keon Broxton, Brett Phillips, all demoted to the minors. I don't think any of those, with maybe the exception of Austin Hayes, none of those is very surprising. But uh, if you were counting on those guys for opening day, look elsewhere for outfield help. All right, on that note, we're going to head to our first break. And when we get to the other side of it, Greg Jewett's going to be here. We're going to talk bullpen. So stick around for that. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I am your host, Al Melkier, and as promised, Greg Jewett is in the house. Been on the show plenty of times. Great to have him back. And since I think since the last time I've had Greg on, he is now part of the bullpen report team at Rotographs and still producing lots of great work for Fantasy Alarm as well. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the intro, and good to be back, Al. <laughs> Likewise, yeah, and I see, I just saw on Twitter there, you're uh, citing Peaches and Herb uh, in your retweets. <laughs> Always innovating on social media. <laughs> you got me. That's true. I, I, I'm reading the tweets. So, well, anyways, uh, it is good to good to have you on, and uh, I've been promising that uh, you're going to share your uh, bullpen knowledge with us uh, with a great uh opening piece for the season and your opening piece uh, as part of the bullpen report team on bullpen tiers. But before we get to that, uh, you had an auction this weekend, correct? I did. So how did that go? Uh, it went a little smoother than last year when I was trying to do it on the year with you for about an hour. Oh, it was the same auction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, was... one where, uh, just the one where a bunch of the former teachers of Nando and I were all involved. Very cool. Connections all over the place there. So um, any particular strategy you went in with or, uh, you know, principles you were looking to follow? Um, and, and, and how did that go with you, you know, sticking to the plan? Um, it was – our league is always so volatile because we play with a, a high salary cap of $350, and then you've got keeper elements. 
So one of the owners had like $40 worth of keepers. So he had piles of money to throw around. So it was basically whatever player he decided he wanted to get at 50 something dollars. He kind of just had to let him do it. Um, but it, the, the hardest thing about the, that, that auction is, is um, a lot of the guys will key on and anybody that I seem to get in on the bidding with. So I have to use that to my advantage. And then I also um, have to try and, uh, you know, do my best to build a balanced lineup with, with the things. It's, it's a fine line between deciding if you're going to pay $53 for Starling Marte just to have him for a year or if you're going to try and get a keeper like Bradley Zimmer for $20 or less. Okay. Uh, were you happy with the, the team you put together? For the most part, except I stalled at the end. I should have won an extra buck or two on Lorenzo Kane, but it is what it is. Yeah, it always – you know, retrospect, you can always find players like that. So, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I hear that. Uh, so was this your last uh, auction or draft for the year? Or you got more lined up. I might do one more, uh, satellite 12 team out of BC, but I need a day off today because I had to do a head to head draft right after the auction last night. So I'm taking Monday off. I, I might do one more tomorrow just to get it done. And I just want to watch baseball on Thursday. I'm kind of excited. You know, I'm very excited too. Um, so, all right. Well, uh, well, not including the one you're gonna, you may or may not do uh, tomorrow. Uh, how many leagues do you have this year? Uh, I kept it under ten this year, which was smart. I think I'll end up right about eight or nine. Much all more right. manageable. Yeah, yeah. I was. I thought I was set at eight. Uh, I've got draft number nine coming up tomorrow night, so I, I did take on one more. But yeah, it's the first time I've been under double digits in. Nine years. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it makes a difference. It really does. So hopefully uh, less quantity, more more quality this year. Uh, were there particular players uh, that uh, popped up on roster after roster for you? Uh, there was a few. I've got um, more in drafts. I ended up with a lot more Gary Sanchez than I ever planned on getting. Um, I got a lot of Ian Kinsler, uh, Adrian Beltre seemed to keep falling to me in leagues, Dexter Fowler, um, uh, Shane Green, some Josh Hader, AJ Minter, guys that ilk. So it's just, it's been kind of varied, but you know, those were a few of the main guys that seem to keep coming up over and over. Oh, and Jonas, I can't give up on you on this. I don't think you should, uh, you know, he's, he's falling a bit and, uh, for whatever time you get him, I mean, he should be very productive. So I, I like that. But you mentioned Shane Green. Um, I don't have any Shane Green on my eight team so far. And that's, I don't have a do not draft list, but he's kind of on my de facto one. I just, I think he's one of the most vulnerable, vulnerable closers. Uh, do you feel differently or was it just, you know, kind of just the, you know, late round flyer that just by coincidence uh, kept coming up for you? It's only been the last couple of drafts, but the 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 prices on closers recently, like all pitching, has just spiked so much that uh, there was a couple of people that I wanted uh, the bats or the starting pitcher at the time, where everybody was kind of in that closer run. And I, I don't know, you, you you say he's vulnerable, but who's going to replace him? Hagen? Um, I, I would say at midseason they can probably they're probably going to trade him to a contender. That. If, if, if you're saying that you're only going to get him through July, I totally understand. But then I tried to get people like AJ Minter to kind of bubble in with him. So I'll use green until Minter gets that role. And then I would probably be looking to flush and move on. So it's kind of like a, you know, almost like a bubble thing. I'm, I'm drafting two of them together and I'm going to make one reliever out of them as the year progresses. Yeah. You know, and neither one's likely to cost you very much. So, you know, that that's a good strategy. I, you know, and you raise a good point. There's, there's probably, I can't think of another bullpen where there's, there's likely to be less competition, but I still think that Alex Wilson uh, or Joe Jimenez could, you know, could step in. And it's just more an mm -hmm. issue of that. I just don't have a lot of faith that Shane Green's going to be good. And I know that, you know, back when Brad Osmus was, uh, managing the team that he seemed to have infinite patience for K-Rod and maybe this would be one of those situations where the lack of really great alternatives just means that, that Green gets a, a a very long leash but you know mm -hmm. if he's if he's not that effective I don't know that you know I necessarily want him for saves but we'll see maybe he'll be better than than I, I expect um, on that note let's oh, I'm sorry no I, I, I do want to get to relievers but before we do 
Uh, have you made any waiver or fab moves yet? Um, I don't, only in the TG uh, FBI, um, I, I ended up a little uh, short at third base. So um, I picked up uh, Derek Dietrich over the weekend for like a dollar um, just in case because um, I have Castellanos as well. So if I need to shift Castellanos to the outfield, I can slip Dietrich in there for a week or two. He's been hot this spring. It doesn't mean he's going to carry it over, but um, looks like he's going to hit leadoff most of the time and just pick up some cheap uh, some cheap runs and stuff at the beginning of the year until I can uh, either make a trade for another third baseman or see if something else develops. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And the Marlins are, I'm going to talk about this later on the show, but they've got a four-game week coming up. Um, you know, everybody's either four or three games, so they got the longer schedule. And I think Dietrich's got a little bit of um, of power potential still there. So mm-hmm, Absolutely. I like, yeah, I like, I like that move. Yeah, let's let's get back to relievers. So you did this great reliever uh, tiers column on rotographs that everybody should go and check out, especially if you do have some uh, lingering drafts and auctions coming up, or even if just you figure out how to manage your bullpen for the season. Uh, so in your second tier of relievers, I mean the first tier, I think there's a lot of consensus there, and and this is based on the consensus of those of us who work on the bullpen mm-hmm. report. Uh, so the consensus, of course, is uh, Jansen Kimbrell. Chapman, and then you've got Roberto Ozuna as part of your the the second tier, and uh, you know last year a lot, a lot of uh, kind of mixed signals there. So did the velocity decline that he experienced for for much of the season and the second half downturn are those things that gave you any second thoughts about putting him in the second tier? Um, personally, no, and it's funny because I, I know you keep saying that. So I went to Brooks Baseball and I went through his. <laughs> his velocity chart, and he did have a downtick to 94.4 to 93.9 in July and August, but that was also the time that he was going through um, the, the anxiety issues and things that he actually publicly admitted, which I'll give him all the credit in the world for. And then in September and at the end of the season, it did, it did tick back up to 95.4 and 95.5, which is only a mile per hour off of where he was in 2016. So, um, I understand why you have some concern, but um, and and the biggest sell point to me was when I when I, I did an article on him early for a Fantasy Alarm, and I looked at his numbers last year versus Craig Kimbrell in 2016, and a lot of people were nervous about taking Kimbrell last year in drafts, um, and he had a better ERA, um, a better K minus strikeout, and a lower WHIP, and Osuna's never had a WHIP above one as a as a major leaguer. Um, he had a better swinging strike percentage, um, and he had a horrible strand rate. I mean, his strand rate crashed to just just under 60% last year. I mean, that's, there is some bad luck, and I know he put traffic on the bases, but usually not walks. And his his expected stats, you know, a 2BBFIP on xstats.org is actually really, really good. I mean, that they're saying that he could have had a 2 ERA, and his ex, his expected on-base average is 239. So, I, again, I get your concern. I guess I'm just less worried about it. Yeah, and that's fair. And that's you know, why I said there's, there's, there's mixed signals because, by and large, the peripherals look pretty good. And you mm-hmm. talked about that strand rate, which obviously shot up his ERA. I think the strand rate in the second half was actually below 50%, which is just it's unheard of. And especially <laughs> yeah. for a, a pitcher of Osuna's uh, caliber. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, clearly he wasn't – you know, he was much better than the numbers showed. You know, my question is just how much better. But you know, I, I think you make a you know a very convincing argument in terms of the timing of it, um, the anxiety issues that he dealt with, and and uh, you know, and the longer track record for Ozuna. I mean, you absolutely can count on him to help with WHIP because not only the great control, but a fly ball pitcher who's going to get um, more outs on balls in play as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if if all is well for Ozuna, then you know, he certainly is going to earn that distinction. Now, that tier is just him, Felipe Rivero, and Corey Kniebel. Your tier three is five deep. You've got Rice Iglesias, Ken Giles, Edwin Diaz, Brad Hand, and Cody Allen. And I really, really like Iglesias, Hand, and Allen because they are, in terms of ADP, falling to that tier. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, there's there's really no reason, especially in the case of Cody Allen. I mean, there's he's got the track record, so you 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 know the consistency is there. The two that I left out though uh, were Diaz and Giles. I will I I try not to get swayed by po- the postseason, but it was too hard to ignore. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, anyway, what Giles did uh, in the World Series and in the postseason in general last year, I think that combined with some inconsistency just throughout his career. And Diaz a disappointing sophomore season last year. So uh, talk talk me out of avoiding these guys. Well, I, I, I'm sure you're having the Bradledge hangover in regards to Ken <laughs> Giles. Um, and, and that makes total sense. You know what's funny is his second half last year was probably – his best half of a season that he's had as a major league pitcher. Um, he was tremendous. And, and, and again, I, I wanted to the X stats because I like looking at what the expected would be, not just the, not just the base numbers. And his BB fit was 2.6, which is really not that bad. Um, it's lower than we usually really associate with Giles. Um, his expected bat fit was 278. Um, and his expected home run total was only 4.8. So I, I think we feel like he gives up too many home runs, and he did give up one this spring. I, actually, I think one. That, I think that's the only run he's given up this spring. Um, and when I'm, I'm trying to find hope in his spring numbers with the 10, uh, 10 strikeouts to one walk in his 6.2 innings. Um, and, and as much as I don't trust his manager, he did say that there might be times he uses Giles at the highest leverage moment. So I'm hoping that just means that he still has the faith in Giles. Does that mean he won't lose faith in him? He proved in the postseason he'll do whatever he has to do to win. Um, so we have to watch that. So uh, Ken Giles will definitely be somebody the first month or two that you're going to have to, as an owner of, you're going to have to pay real close attention to um, how much the Astros trust him and how well he starts the year. Um, and as yeah. for as for Edwin Diaz, you know, I think we forget. he's still. I think he's still 23 right now, um, or, he's, or he's 24. So... I think they signed uh, Nikadi, not just to have a stable uh, second person to go to, but they said Diaz was following him around all spring, uh, just someone for him to learn sponge from and and, and be a mentor to. So, um, same deal, Diaz. When he gets in trouble, it's when he gets wild. His mechanics get out of whack, and he puts too much traffic on base. And we've seen that problem with AJ Ramos and other people. Uh, but Diaz has better stuff than Ramos to recover. Um, his BB fit wasn't quite as enticing as Giles or Osuna. It was 3.09, but still a little lower than he had in the year. And his ex OBA of 2.69. Um, so we're going to see. Uh, you know, same thing in the spring. Diaz 11 Ks and three three walks out of this 32 batter space. So that's right in line with his normal strikeout percentage. And, and that lower walk weight, uh, excuse me, walk rate would be welcomed by his owners. So, again, I, I think you have to hope. I think Diaz has less to worry about than Giles, but we never know with these bullpens. We always know there's 50% that are going to change. Yeah, at least, at least. So, uh, always a good thing to keep in mind. Now, you go very deep in this piece with tiers, uh, all the way to a ninth tier. Uh, and I think you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned getting Minter in your uh, auction. He's in the ninth tier. Uh, some good names, you know, all the way through here. Um, have you had a sort of a constant approach this year to filling out your, your bullpen? Uh, or, uh, you know, has it, have you switched it up from draft to draft? Uh, you know, how have you dealt with uh, targeting relievers? I think you have to be malleable. I think you can't just go into a thing and say, I'm punting it or I'm I'm going to get this guy at this price. Um, there's been times, you know, I really like Brad Hand, and I've unfortunately been in drafts where people like him too. Um, a couple, he's been he's been at a point where I'm willing to move up around and get him, and I've been able to. Um, it, it, again, I, I think you have to read the room. You, and, and I track, when I do a draft, I write down, uh, what the other people around me are taking, so I keep a I keep a clean spreadsheet. And as the drafts going, I'm filling them in. And if I see, I mean, you can just look at tiers, but if I start seeing one team's already got three closers, another team's filling them in, then I've got to hop in and start doing something before they dry up. Um, so you know, uh, maybe I'm a little too anal, but that's something I try <laughs> and do. And I also like having like a Josh because when you get down to the to later things where people are taking like a a fifth or sixth starter that they're not sure about. Uh, I'd rather go grab a Josh Hader because I think he can strike out 120 to 140 batters depending on how many innings he gets this year and, and, and be able to give you, I mean, I think you can get as many strikeouts as Alex Cobb this year without killing your ratios. Um, and if anything happens to, to uh, Canable, maybe he might get in there for a couple of saves or he might 
end up doing a game where there's a couple of lefties at the end and, and he closes one out for him. So, you know, I like having some of those guys at the end and then I love trying to stash like AJ Mincer and that has to do with me not trusting Vizcaino. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's there's some good uh, arguments for that. I'm glad you made the point about Hayter and, and others of his ilk. Uh, you know, I like Ismero Petit. Um, yep, uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that because nobody likes Ismero <laughs> Petit, and I've gotten him so cheap. I haven't got him in my uh, my draft and hold. I got him in, like, the 30-something round. I'm like, why, are, why does no one want him in there? Yeah, well uh, – We'll, we'll spread the word and then make it make it harder on ourselves. But yeah, there's a lot of great uh, relievers, uh, you know, multiple inning guys too. You know, might give you 75, 80 innings. So I'm glad that you brought that up first, Greg. And we're unfortunately we're out of time. But thank you so much for uh, helping us out with bullpens, folks. Check out the piece on Rotographs. And uh, Greg, looking forward to having you back sometime soon. Thanks as always, Al. All right, Greg Jewett. Uh, thanks again. Time to head to break. We'll be back and preview week one. So come right back right after the break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour right here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Or perhaps you have downloaded it. Either way, thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Al Melchior, and uh, we've got a few more uh, injury updates to give you. Actually, it's all Red Sox related, all Red Sox rotation related. Uh, So let's get to those. Uh, The Sox have placed Drew Pomeranz on the 10-day DL with a left forearm flexor strain. Uh, Not a really big uh, surprise there. And uh, also Eduardo Rodriguez, who I talked about uh, maybe about a week ago on this show, where he was actually being mentioned as a potential fill-in in the rotation. Or no, I shouldn't say fill-in, but, uh, you know, getting a chance uh, to, uh, to to be in the rotation right away when reports in the offseason made it sound like he might not be back till June. Uh, Rodriguez has been uh, dealing with uh, recovery from uh, a knee surgery. And um, he's not going to be be ready for uh, opening day or uh, you know the the opening run through of the uh, Red Sox rotation. So he's been placed on the ten day DL, and then uh, but he sh- he should not be out nearly as long as was initially thought. So he could be back. Uh, I don't know about week two necessarily, maybe week three, but shouldn't shouldn't be too long of the stay on the DL for Eduardo Rodriguez. And then Stephen Wright, he too has been placed on the 10-day DL uh, due to issues with his left knee. And uh, in addition to that, uh, whenever he, uh, Stephen Wright is ready to, uh, to return, he, he will have to serve a 15-game suspension for violating uh, Major League Baseball's domestic violence policy. So uh, that's the situation there with Stephen Wright. All right, so uh, all kinds of uh, issues there with the uh, Red Sox rotation. Brian Johnson, I think, is pretty much a lock now to be uh, in the rotation to start the year, and Hector Velasquez, I would think, probably be in that mix as well. All right, well, uh, as I have promised, week one is nearly upon us. Going to preview the schedule, uh, look at how some of the rotations are shaping up, which pitchers might not be going this week, uh, which ones are. And also based on the sort of limited rotation information that we have, some hitters that you could think about uh, sitting or starting. Okay, so before we get to any of that, just a quick note here about DailyRoto.com. Dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer with Daily Roto's MLB projections and optimizer. Go to DailyRoto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY 
to use all of the same tools and projections that millionaire maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. And the tools don't just work for football. This is the very same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings live final finish. So just head on over to dailyroto.com slash premium. And there you can save 10% again with the promo code FNTSY. Again, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY and see the results for yourself. Okie dokie, week one. Yes, opening day, three days away. As I mentioned earlier, uh, some teams get to play all four days. So they'll have opening day on Thursday and they'll just play straight through to Sunday. But it's it's a little bit of an odd schedule because every team is playing on Thursday. Every team is playing on opening day. So that's very unusual. And every team is playing on Saturday, which is not unusual. But there are only 12 games on Sunday. So there's kind of a light schedule on Friday, a full schedule on Saturday, and a less than complete schedule on Sunday. Weird schedule to open the season. But you know what? As long as we get to see every team on Thursday, I don't care. That's a great trade-off. I'll take it. And it does mean a lot of teams are going to play that four-game schedule. So here they are. The Cubs, the Dodgers, Marlins, Giants. So those four in the NL. Then the AL, the Red Sox, Astros, Angels, Yankees, A's, Rays, Rangers, and Blue Jays. So a bunch more in the AL than the NL. I'm going to read through one more time. So these are all the teams that are going to play four games. Uh, So this would be a nice little tiebreaker uh, for uh, probably some of your, your hitting quandaries in week one. The Cubs, Dodgers, Marlins, Giants, Red Sox, Astros, Angels, Yankees, A's, Rays, Rangel, Ra- Rangers, the Rangers and the Angels merge. That's what you get is the Rangers, Rangers and Blue Jays. So those are all teams with four game schedules. Everybody else is a three game schedule. There's no team that's going to be off on both Friday and Sunday. So nobody's got worse than a, a three game schedule. So again, that fourth game might be a, a nice tiebreaker, but it's not like you're going to have any team just playing two games this week. You don't have to worry about that. However, that said, that um, you got to look at those lefty-righty matchups because in such a short week, you may have some players that are only going to play maybe once or twice. So focusing in particular on a few players that are on teams with the four-game schedule, just so you don't kind of go into default mode and say, oh, okay, so this guy's on the Astros and... So, uh, you know, all Astros all, all the time this week. Um, actually, there is one Astro that I've got on my sit list. Just, I've just got a short list here based on matchups. Uh, and again, this is incomplete because uh, a lot of teams have not finished setting their uh, rotations. In some cases, you know, even beyond the opening day starter. But uh, anyhow, let me get to it again. A short and complete list here. But to, you can think about it already. you got a couple of days here to to uh, hit waivers if you can and or, or look on your bench and see if you got a replacement a replacement for some of these players. Kevin Kiermeyer, the Rays have four games against the Red Sox, but uh, all those Rays hitters are going to have to face sale and price. That's not great for anybody. It's really not great for Kevin Kiermeyer. And actually, I'm trying to remember now, oh, the, this was in a Fantrax piece uh, I wrote about sleepers. And I like the value on Kiermaier this year. He did really great against righties last year. He did not do so great against lefties. So with sale and price on the race schedule, I would sit Kevin Kiermaier outside of basically AL only leagues. And maybe there, even there, I'd still look and see um, who might be around. I would imagine Kiermaier will start all four games, but I'm not expecting him to have a very good week. Justin Bohr, Marlins have a four-game week, but they've got the Cubs, so kind of a similar situation. Formidable rotation in general. couple of lefties left. Lester is definitely starting against the Marlins, and I would assume on Sunday it's going to be Quintana instead of Chatwood. But that you know that's one to watch because I'd say if Boar's going to start three games, I would go ahead and start him. But if Quintana is starting on Sunday, I would find a replacement for Justin Boar in most leagues. Uh, first of all, it's possible he may sit 
uh, out one or two of those games. Uh, Don Mattingly has been known to do a little bit of platooning with, with Justin Bohr. So maybe you see uh, Garrett Cooper in there. So that's one potential problem. And plus just uh, his chances to do well this week, facing a couple of tough lefties. Uh, don't really love it for Justin Bohr. Brandon Belt, boy, anytime you got the Giants facing the Dodgers, no matter where they land in that rotation, you figure they're going to face at least a couple lefties. They're scheduled right now to get three. Uh, Kershaw, Wood, and Hill. And uh, so that's certainly bad news, I would think, for Brandon Crawford and the other Brandon. Brandon Belt didn't uh, hit very well against lefties last year. I would uh, give him uh, a breather as well, facing Kershaw, Wood, and Hill this week. Uh, so if you're looking for a Justin Bohr replacement, don't make a Brandon Belt. If you're looking for a Brandon Belt replacement, don't make a Justin Bohr. And finally, I mentioned before the Astros, they've got a four-day week. Uh, I think, you know, for most starters, this is going to be a, a good thing. Not that there's that many borderline decisions really to be made. I would say two of the borderline decisions would be Josh Reddick and Derek Fisher. Uh, so Fisher, even though I've been talking about him a lot this offseason and how uh, Jeff Luno, the, the DGM, has talked about how Fisher's going to get 400-plus plate appearances this year. He's going to be the the regular or as close as there is to a regular in left field for the Astros. He's not going to play much in week one, I don't think. Uh, so the Astros get the Rangers, and the Rangers have uh, – at least three, probably four lefties in their rotation. So I don't know exactly how that rotation is going to stack up yet, but odds are very good that they probably won't see more than one righty, uh, if that, this week. So Derek Fisher, I don't think he's going to play much, but the good news is that this is a great week to stream in J.D. Davis. Uh, so he's made the team. Uh and I imagine that the alignment would be that he'll probably start at first base. Marwan Gonzalez will go start in left field. Derek Fisher will sit on the bench. Uh, but Davis in the minor leagues, and even in the major leagues last year in a very, very limited sample, put up great numbers against lefties, absolutely mashed lefties last year. So this could be a really, really good start to the season for J.D. Davis. Do not sleep on him. Think about... Picking him up. I've already made a couple of claims, uh, put in a couple of claims for him uh, in, in my leagues this week. So, again, very short list of hitters to think about uh, how the schedule is going to impact them. Uh, hopefully, I'll be updating that tomorrow and or Wednesday as rotations come into clearer focus. But uh, a number of them, they're, they're, it's pretty clear what's going on. So I want to go over uh, sort of a selected sample of rotations uh, that might help you start to plan your fantasy rotation for this week. And start starting with the Diamondbacks. They've got the Rockies at home. And it used to be, you know, Diamondbacks, Rockies didn't really matter so much where they play. But we're, we're going to see the humidor uh, for the first time. Or, you know, we're not probably going to see the humidor. But we're going to see Chase Field and how it's affected by the humidor against the Rockies. And the first two games are going to be started by Patrick Corbin and Robbie Ray. So not clear exactly when Zach Greinke is going to make his debut. That's obviously one that you got to watch closely. But also uh, in terms of um, Tywin Walker and Zach Godley, I'd actually be pretty surprised if Zach Godley makes a week one start. I think the only way that that happens is if, if Greinke gets pushed back further. So that's a situation you got to keep your eyes on. But if you're a Patrick Corbin owner, I think it was pretty safe to assume Robbie Ray was going to start probably game one or game two this year. Patrick Corbin, that's a little bit of a surprise. If you're thinking maybe you'd have to bench Corbin this week, you don't. He gets the Rockies. Um, so get him in your rotation. The Brewers, their rotation is taking shape. Well, first of all, uh, had the announcement over the weekend that the last two spots are going to Brett Suter. And Brandon Woodruff, so good good news for those two. Uh, and Giovanni Gallardo going to the bullpen. Uh, a little bit of a surprise to me that Junior Guerra also going to the bullpen. So the order for the opening series against the Padres this week for the, the Brewers, Chase Anderson getting opening day. Uh, 
followed by Yuli Shasin, and then by Suter. So those are your three Brewers starters against the Padres. The Brewers are one of those teams, one of the six teams that's going to get Sunday off. So that's it. No Zach Davies this week. If you wanted to start Zach Davies, forget about it. Uh, save him for week two. Brandon Woodruff is going to the bullpen until the Brewers need a fifth starter. So don't worry about those guys for this week. But uh, Brent Suter, you can you can start him this week. And uh, against the Padres in San Diego, I'd try to find a way to get, get Suter in there. The Braves uh, got uh, Julio Terra making his fifth consecutive opening day start. And I saw that this morning, and... I couldn't believe. I can't believe Julio Tehran has now been around long enough to have made five straight opening day starts. That's pretty incredible. Or just means that uh, I'm old and, and time is going quickly for me. Uh, so then, Michael Poltenevich is getting game two, and it looks like I've not seen any official announcement that the way things are lining up, I would expect that Brandon McCarthy will get the third game against the Phillies. So uh, if you're looking to start. Any of those three, I don't think Tehran's any big surprise, but if you're worried about Fultonevich or McCarthy, they're good to go this week. Sean Newcomb, probably going to have to wait till week two unless he gets the nod for game three. And like I said, the way that the Braves have lined up their pitchers, that looks unlikely to me. Also, as of right now, it looks like Anibal Sanchez could be the Braves' fifth starter. They let Scott Casimir go over the weekend. So, uh, you know, we'll see... Uh, What's in store for Anibal Sanchez? Pirates have named their opening day starter. It's Ivan Nova. Not clear beyond him. So, uh, you know, if you're thinking about Jamison Tyone or um, Trevor Williams, uh, I don't think Joe Musgrove will start this week. Uh, but, again, not not really sure. All I've seen is that Nova is going to be the opening day starter. So I wouldn't recommend it. But, you know, if in a deeper league uh, and you're a little thin, I'm pitching Nova as somebody who can give you some innings this week. Likewise, the Padres, uh, not necessarily anybody who's a must-start there. Clayton Richards going to start on opening day. Denelson Lamette, who I talked about earlier in the show, going to be out for probably at least a month. He was supposed to start game two. There's no replacement announced for Lamette yet. But Luis Perdomo will start the third game of the season for the Padres against the Brewers. So particularly deeper leagues, Perdomo will be good to go. For the White Sox, uh, James Shields opening day. And it looks like Lucas Alito could start on Saturday. So that's pretty a pretty exciting development. Uh, for the Astros, Charlie Morton is going to be the only one who doesn't start this week, so don't start him if you can avoid it uh, because he's going to probably give you nothing uh, this week. Uh, so he'll face the Orioles in week two while the rest of the rotation faces the Rangers. Jacob Garizzi will be the opening day starter for the Twins. Otherwise, I'm not sure how that rotation goes. No Jacob uh, Faria this week. So save him for week two. You got Archer Snell, a bullpen day, and Nate Evaldi against the Red Sox. And finally, the Blue Jays have laid out their entire rotation. No Jaime Garcia in week one, but Marcus Stroman pitching on Sunday. So get Stroman in your rotation for sure. Likewise with uh, Jay Happ, Aaron Sanchez, and Marco Estrada. So again, not exactly a complete review of rotations. That's what I've got so far. Uh, I'll be updating that at least one more time before uh, before opening day and lineup block on Thursday. So very exciting stuff, folks. It's finally on our doorstep here. Opening day. Really looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, so, again, tune in tomorrow. I'm sure I'll have lots, lots of updates for you. And, again, don't forget, going to have uh, – uh, discussion of out of the park baseball on tomorrow's show as well with Rich Grisham. So lots of reasons to come back and visit me tomorrow. So anyways, stick around for game time decisions. That's coming up next. Have a great Monday, everybody. See ya. Same time tomorrow.